0: I've had a ton of jobs over my short life. I've been a McDonald's fry cook. I've been a convenience store clerk. Yeah, I've been a detailer. I've been a part-time college teacher. I've been a janitor. I've done food service. I've worked security. I've been an admissions officer. I've been a pastor. I've done shipping and receiving. And I've done food prep for the morning. You know, finger. Finger. <laughs> <laughs> Find the finger, put it back on. Some of the work I've loved, some of the work I've hated. You've had the same experience, haven't you? All right? I had one job that the first year, I loved it to death. The second year, I hated it. Same job. Uh, I was a janitor for about two and a half, three years, and when i was the day janitor i loved it i showed up early at the butt crack of dawn unlocked all the teachers doors the kids would come streaming in come on mr b <laughs> want to shake your hand and then they'd fingerprint up all the front doors and so once they got into their classrooms i would come out with the squirt bottle glass cleaner and get all the doors spotless before lunch and then and then I would get to uh, have lunch with the fourth grade teachers and then we would gripe about the fact that they, they're ADD kids, which at the time there just weren't that many of them. If, they, if a chair was missing one of the feet and only had three feet, the kid in the chair would go <laughs> all day long and the teacher would be wanting to go, okay? So I ordered chair feet. Never had been done before. You mean you can get replacements yeah, so I've seen the catalog. And then the guys at central office are like, what do you want to do that for? Now they're going to expect it. <sighs> but that got them chair feet. And then for, uh, after I was done with lunch with them, I would, go to, uh, I would spot the secretary and she'd go off to lunch and I would do her job for about 20, 30 minutes while she got lunch. It was great. I remember one morning I was there. My feet were propped up on the secretary table. I was on the phone with one parent, checking something in the computer system. There was a parent checking their kid in. At that same moment, a group of New York City educators, principals and teachers, seeing what we did in Kentucky, blew into the office, and one lady stops the whole group and she says, I don't care about the rest of the tour. I want one of them. (laughs) It's like, dang right, And then I moved to nights because we had John Mark and we needed to play trade off, and I took care of him during the day. And then I went to work. Jenny worked during the day and then took care of him at night. Night janitor, completely different. We had that particular year we were short a janitor and a half almost every day. So I'd be running marathons every night <laughs> trying to get out all the trash. And that high responsibility, do the job right, clean all the glass thing, every night Nothing stuff wasn't getting done. And I was going home frustrated because the job... Wasn't right. It wasn't done right, and I was, and I was gripping the steering wheel. And then about a month into it, we mice overran the primary hallway. Now there were two teachers primarily responsible, both of whom still teach in the school district, and I will not name them this morning, um, confidentiality clause and all that kind of stuff. But one of them uh, earned the reputation of being the mouse queen, <laughs> just because of what she stored. Okay, so and I, and so we're trying to trap mice. We now have rodents in the school. And I was so frustrated, and, and, and a lot of nights I was working alone. And you would think, being an introvert, that would be awesome. No, I've discovered I do not like working alone, okay? And so, three months into that stint, it was so bad I put in for a transfer. I wanted out of it so bad. Again, some, same job. Day janitor loved it, night janitor hated it. And the, the basics in some ways of the job hadn't changed all that much. It was funny, I, when I was the campus tour, When I was an admissions officer at Wheaton College, I loved doing the campus tour because I learned all this crazy stuff about Wheaton College and throw it out on the tour. Um, But uh, I uh, also had a job where I was tarring roofs. I hated that. They would drop me off in the morning. I was all by myself slopping tar on the roof, 98 degrees every day. Um, It's crazy. I want to suggest to you this morning as we start off this series that there are three ingredients necessary for you to be satisfied in your job three three ingredients and they're necessary if they're in place you love your job if just one of them is missing or askew not only are you going to hate your job but you're going to be looking for a different job and so i want to kind of unpack that for you today and the three things are the first is fit knowing what you're good at knowing what your strengths are and playing to those strengths in the course of your job. Fit, the right fit, that's the first thing. The second thing is good relationships with your boss, with your coworkers, with your subordinates, if the relationships have gotta be good. And then there's the culture. Culture uh, Culture is how the company does things day in and day out, and you don't have to tell anybody, it just kinda happens, culture got to have a healthy culture so fit relationships and culture if any one of them is missing you're like i'm gone night janitor remember that they wouldn't get substitutes there was a culture thing at play well just make it happen just make it happen just make it happen and then i wasn't interacting with anybody the relate so two of the three i wanted out Um, the campus tour job that i had I did that till my last day. I wouldn't give it up. I just didn't want to hand it off to somebody else. It was so great, okay? So most Americans and most of the people that I know personally are missing at least one of these ingredients. They are, right? You're here in this room. You're like, "Eh, that's pretty accurate there. But see, work hasn't always been a drag. Work hasn't always been a nuisance. Work hasn't always been a necessary evil. Way back... Way back, work was actually a good thing. You brought a Bible, open it up with me to Genesis 2. Genesis chapter 2. I'm talking way back, okay? Genesis chapter 2. And if you have a paper Bible, you don't even have to go far. It's great. In this creation account, man and woman are placed, not just anywhere, they're placed in a garden In the ancient near east gardens had pools and paths and fruit trees and shade trees and it wasn't just any garden it was the garden of eden and some word scholars say that eden simply means abundance so man and woman were placed in a garden of abundance starting to sound a little more appealing why yes thank you very much and in genesis chapter 2 verse 15 something god does something that i want to capture your attention with this morning the lord god placed the man in the garden of eden get this to tend and watch over it to tend and care to work and care is what the niv says to serve and keep okay the work here is not to obtain food or pay the bills there's no mortgage payment there's no delta gas (laughs) okay there's a transcendent purpose the, this is the garden where god dwells this is a sacred space and man is working and caring for a sacred space all right look at, look at the rest of the verses okay the lord god warned him you may eat freely of the fruit of every tree in the garden except the tree of the knowledge of good and evil if you eat its fruit you're going to die and then the lord said it's not good for man to be alone i'll make him a helper Ladies, ask me what that word means sometimes. It doesn't mean daddy's little helper. It means more like coast guard rescue ship pulling somebody to save them from death. Okay? That's what that word means. Okay? So, um, I will make you a helper. Where am I now? Make a helper who is just right for him. So, the Lord God formed from the ground all the wild animals and all the birds of the sky. He brought them to man to see what he would call them. And man chose a name for each one. He gave names to all the livestock, all the birds of the sky, all the wild animals but still there was no helper just right for him. There's tending, there's caring, there's naming, there's ordering, there's subduing, and all of this happens before the fall, before sin. Work was instituted from the beginning. And in the Garden of Eden, all the three necessary ingredients are in place. There's a good fit, the relationships are good, not just with other people but with God and you have to admit garden of abundance come on talk about a healthy business context everything's right everything's good it's not till Genesis 3:19 that work becomes bad by the sweat of your brow you will have food to eat until you return to the ground from which you were made for you were made from dust and dust you will return see before the fall work had pleasure to it after the fall work becomes wearisome and has pain. Let me say that again, grown-ups. After the fall, work becomes wearisome and has pain. Amen. Okay? All right? I want you to glimpse something of this harmony that Paul gives us a glimpse of in 1 Corinthians 12. He's talking about something different, but I want to make a connection, and I want to make a case for something this morning. All right? So, you have this harmony going on with fit and relationships and culture, and there's work, and work is given before the fall, but then the fall makes everything bad, and sin corrupts everything, and work is now pain and and toil and, and wearisome. We live on the other side of Jesus, and Jesus established a new community, a new creation, adopted sons and daughters of their Heavenly Father. And in this new community, there's a harmony that's being established. And Paul gets at it in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And I'm going to start uh, verse 15 through uh, 20. Uh, he says this. If the foot says, I am not a part of the body because I'm not a hand, that does not make it any less part of the body. And if the ear says, I'm not part of the body because I'm not the eye, would that make it any less a part of the body? If the whole body were an eye, how would you hear? If the whole body were an ear, how would you smell anything? Our bodies have many parts, and God has put each part just where he wants it he's using an analogy of a human body he's talking in this passage about the holy spirit gifting gifts to the church okay but there's a lot of different parts and roles and functions there's there's the takeaway i want you to get there's a lot of different parts and there's ears and eyes ears and hands and eyes and toes and toes okay just like the song right okay then he picks it up and he makes another point all right Verse 19 and following, How strange a body would be if it only had one part. Yes, there are many parts, but one body. The eye can never say to the hand, I don't need you. The head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. In fact, some parts of the body that seem weakest and least important are actually the most necessary. And the parts we regard as less honorable are those we clothe with greatest care. So we carefully protect those parts that should not be seen while the more honorable parts do not require this care. So God has put the body together that such an extra honor and care are given to those parts that have less dignity. This makes for harmony, there's that word, among the members, so that all the members care for each other. If one part suffers, all the parts suffer with it, and if one part is honored, all the parts are glad. Tom Wright makes this observation. He says... If one suffers, they all suffer. Don't believe me, get a toothache where the cavity's going all the way down to the root. Your whole body will be co- brought to its knees. <laughs> okay. I want us to learn something from the garden and from the apostle Paul today. Work as it was originally intended is a good thing. Work as it is as it was originally intended is a good thing when you and i work when you and i are productive we are like god we're it's that image of god in us that's coming out and yes in the afterlife there's going to be work there is did you know that it's not going to be an eternal retirement or vacation you and i will have jobs to do you you kind of think well that's funny i really would like a vacation have you ever found it odd that in america it's a common thing doctors know this that when a man retires, his risk of dying within the first three years is huge. That's not a coincidence. That's not a coincidence. It's by design, all right? So if we can learn something, we can learn that work as it was originally intended is good. And Paul's warning here is we shouldn't be lifting one, some things above other things. Come on, in America... The president is more important than the janitor who cleans his office, which is why he makes 486 times the amount of money the janitor does. Paul would look at that and say, that's fooey. That's not biblical. That's not how God rolls. One thing isn't, oh, all that more important than the other. All right? Did you know that sitting here today, you stand, actually you sit in a long history of Protestants, You know you're not Catholic, right, by sitting here, in a sense? Okay, let me spell this out for you. Protestants had a fully-orbed theology of work, theology of vocation. For them, it was critically important because in 1500, Catholicism was characterized by celibacy, poverty, and monasticism. In other words, don't have sex, don't have money, and stay away from people. I know, real attractive. Protestants came along and said... Whoa, wait a minute. If you've got Jesus in you, if you've got Jesus all over you, it should infect your husband-wife relationship, your home. It should affect your, your productive labor, your work. And by golly, it should affect the community. It affects everything. It's like a disease. You can't help it. It just spreads out. Okay? And so Protestant, uh, Max Weber said uh, that if, if it weren't for Protestants, we wouldn't have capitalism. Uh, I, I say all that to say, uh, work is not just something you do to pay the bills. There's a spiritual dimension to it. Just like there was in the garden, it's true today. whether you whether you want to recognize it or not, whether you want to see it or not. Martin Luther put it this way. He said, God doesn't need our good works, but our neighbor does. God doesn't need our good works, but our neighbor does. All right? So, if we're going to recapture this theology of work, then I want, as we start off, I want you to start thinking about what you do. And for those of you that are younger, holy cow, you need to be having some conversations with your parents, with youth leaders, with teachers about your future, okay? Fit, relationships, culture. Fit, let me center there for a moment. ups, those of you that are getting paid to work. I want you to think about your job for a moment on the whole when it comes to the tasks and roles and responsibilities of your job do you find them sucking the life out of you like a giant vacuum cleaner when you look at the clock and you think it's only been 10 minutes oh! eject eject scotty emergency beam out you know Is that hitting you in that moment? That could be an indicator that the fit thing is off. Now, when you're at work and you're immersed in those tasks and responsibilities in work, do you look at the clock and go, oh my goodness, it's almost quitting time. Where did the time go? Okay, (laughs) there might be more of a fit in play, all right? If you've never done a StrengthsFinder assessment, this week, I want you to email me or call me, and I'll, we'll arrange to do this. It's a, because I want to get you on a, on, a, on a path to start a process of being able to identify, you know what, here's some things that I'm good at. So I wanna make sure that when I'm working, I'm, I've got a right fit. Let me give you an example. My number one is learner. I love to learn. And so when I'm put in contexts where I'm helping people learn or I'm learning myself, I'm on cloud nine. It's why I teach part-time for Asbury University. I don't teach just because, you know, oh, it was an open door. It's because it's like learning. And I go into the classroom, and I'm like, woo, we get to learn, we get to learn. And they're like, you are so weird. And, but they love it, and they learn stuff. Um, I have a friend, Lee. Anytime Lee's going to buy something new, and it's a big-ticket purchase, he tells me that, hey, you know, I'm, <clears throat> I'm looking at trucks. Do you know why he tells me? Because I'm going to go learn everything about trucks, and I'm going to, like, have a full presentation for him the next time. Hey, Lee, you know, the Ford F-150, da da but the Chevy Silverado 2500, da 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 and towing capacity, and you could get the, you know, and I'll spell it all out for him and with, you know, PowerPoints. <laughs> That's why cause I love to learn. So you're going to have to figure out for you what those things are. I mean, okay, it's, it's the stereotypical... Uh, 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 one of the strengths is called a woo in other words you there's no such thing as a crowded room of strangers these are just friends you haven't met yet if you're a woo and you're working in a job where you're in a cubicle all by yourself and you have no human contact throughout the day you're wanting to do you know (laughs) this with a knife okay fit so that's the first thing fit fit now relationships let's be honest grown-ups this is why most people quit their jobs. <laughs> it has nothing to do with fit or culture. It has to do with the fact that the boss is a jerk, or a coworker Denise is a jerk, or just basically lots of people are jerks. Okay, so when it comes to that work situation, let me ask a question: Do you have a real or virtual voodoo doll? Of your boss or coworker, <laughs> and at lunch, do you take out the voodoo doll and are you putting pens in it? Okay, <laughs> if so, that could be an indicator that the relationship thing is a little off. Okay, so sometimes the relationship is bad and you don't know why. And so if you feel like there's this eh, with somebody, maybe it's your boss or a coworker, but you do, you're not mad at them for any specific reason go fishing, that's what I call it. And the way you can go fishing is to basically use this phrase, hey, Paul, um, you know, I just have felt like there's kind of a wall or something, and I'm thinking that maybe I did something stupid. Because I feel like, you know, there's, there's something between us from everything working right. Could You know, have I stepped on your toes? Have I, you know, and that, at that point, enables Paul to go, well, actually, I'm just a jerk with everybody. Or, you know... <laughs> Or to say, well, actually, I was supposed to get your job, and I applied for it, and then they brought you in from the outside, and i got to tell you, you know, management. And then then you're like, okay, you know, you're not armed right now, are you? Okay, (laughs) so so you can go fishing. Or if you know, like if you're mad at them and you know why you're mad at them, you've got to calculate whether it's worth doing a gentle confrontation or just walking away. And, and you're going to have to make that decision and discern that out. But sometimes, you know, uh, I, I sat down with somebody, and they were really frustrated because their manager was doing stuff. And they were frustrated for like a week, and I was like, well, did you say anything? Have you said anything? No. So they went in the next day, and they were like, hey, you know, this really got me bent out of shape, da da da, da And the manager was like, oh, I'm sorry. I won't do that again. Problem solved. Okay? But, it, you know, it's the risk thing. Okay, so fit, relationship, and then... Culture. Culture is not your company's mission statement and all those platitudes. We value customer service, integrity, you know, the stuff that's hanging on the walls. Culture is what happens day in and day out in the halls. (laughs) Culture is reality. All right? And you could be working in a place that has a toxic culture. And if you're here and you're an employer, I would like to remind you of 1 Corinthians 12. I would like to remind you of Jesus. And I would say to America generally, Hello, humans are not resources. I hate the term human resources. Humans are not iron ore. Humans are not electricity. Humans are not a building. Humans are not a resource that you can use up and then dump in the creek when you are finished with it. Can i get an amen (laughs) humans have inerrant dignity and value okay i will shut up on that tirade here's why this is important i'm lucky enough that if i won a powerball like you know gazillion dollars i wouldn't be in front of the cameras going hey boss i quit You know what I would do? Hire a personal assistant and actually take maybe a day and a half off a week. (laughs) That would be the big change. You know, unless you gave me the boot, which I hope you wouldn't do, but, you know, well, you're rich now, you know. (laughs) But I don't, you know, so if you have those fantasy things on an ongoing basis, man, I so quit my job. You know, you could actually start to do things now that five years now, ten years from now, you're in a better position where the fit is good where the relationships are good, and hopefully, hopefully, where the culture's good. And I can't tell you how many times over the years people have come to me and said, you know, I'd love to work for generations. Trust me, it's not for pay. (laughs) It's always about the culture. For them and for their vantage point, the culture is such that, man, I'd rather be here and have this kind of positive stuff than all the that I get at my job, okay? There's no such thing as a better job There is, however, such a thing as a better fit, and if the fit's good, and the relationships are good, and the culture's good, you're going to be satisfied, and you're not going to be pining for greener pasture, right? So we're going to talk about practical things over the next several weeks, but I want you to know that your work is not just something to pay the bills, it's more than that, which is why when it's not working right, you're so frustrated. There's a reason.